Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the bi-weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. Hey Phoebe. Hey Jules, how are you? I'm all right, how are you? I'm good. I'm recording today from rainy Ireland, so I flew back home yesterday morning and I'm taking my first bit of actual annual leave in 2021. Wow. I know. How sick. <laughs> it's At least you're all... taking leave. At least you get a break. No, for sure. I think it was now I work for an American company, so we get slightly less than the average UK employee. I think I mentioned this before, as I don't have study leave, I've had to take some of that just for exams and things like that. So it was a bit kind of rationing it out for a time when I was like, yeah, I can properly take a break now. And it is so nice. I literally left my laptop in London, which hasn't been something that as we've all been working from home, you know, that proximity to work has been so prevalent for me since about March 2020. It's so nice to actually have a bit of physical distance from it. Unbelievable. I'm taking a break next week, actually. Are you staying in the UK? Yeah, staying in the UK. We were really tempted to go away. And with all the tests, you just can't be bothered after a while. Totally. And the level of stress, you know, when I think about how frequently I would just jump on a flight after work, it was nothing to me. You know, I'd get a flight hungover. I would get a flight and come straight into work, like all of that kind of stuff. The level of anxiety I felt <laughs> on Sunday morning, just wondering if there was going to be something that we had forgotten forgot. to do. Yeah, exactly. Or we hadn't brought with us or whatever the case might be. Anyway, it was grand and we're obviously here and everything like that. But they are now suggesting that you get to the airport like, three hours before your flight and I can understand why because the queues were just insane (laughs) yeah I don't know why I'm laughing the thing is yeah but I was laughing because I used to love airports do you know what I mean I would be so like let's get there early get rid of my bags I'm gonna have a glass of wine I'm gonna do a sheet mask I'm gonna chill and it is not that environment anymore (laughs) Yeah, it is so stressful. I remember that from traveling over Christmas. But I did get tempted to go to Mykonos. Oh my God. I feel like I'd go anywhere if I'm being completely transparent. Yeah, I'm like quite tempted because a few friends are going and I thought, oh, let's go. But then it's just like, oh no, let's just stay here. Make it the thing is with the UK is you feel that you don't get value for money because you spend so much traveling in the UK England anyway like if I was going to whatever some other part of the UK like Wales or something maybe I feel I got more value totally also on a very personal level I really don't consider it a holiday if I encounter a Tesco at any point yeah I don't want and obviously the contradiction being that if I'm in like Portugal or France or something like that and I go to the big Carrefour supermarket then I'm like hmm, this is a holiday supermarket for <laughs> sure. That's yeah. so different to me. But I really don't want to see a Sainsbury's. I don't want any kind of orange reusable bag at any point in my yeah. holiday experience. So I get what you mean. Even though the UK is amazing places on offer, but it doesn't feel like an actual escape from your real life. Yeah. So do you have Tesco in Ireland? We do have Tesco in Ireland, but I'm not going to see it. <laughs> Okay, cool. My parents live in the middle of nowhere. Okay, good. That's what you need. 
<laughs> but yes, I one thing I have been doing literally in the last 24 hours, because in London, I don't have a television. So I've been watching the Olympics. I've been actively catching up on a lot of that stuff. And mm-hmm. yesterday you had the 100 meter men's final, which was really heartbreaking because Janelle, I can't think of his surname, but from the UK had a full start and was then disqualified. Like it is such an immersive, the Olympics are so immersive. It is so yeah. easy to get lost in it completely. But I know that, you know, before we started recording, you and I had been talking about Simone Biles and that's something that I think has been quite heavy on social media um, over the past kind of couple of weeks. Yeah, I think everyone and their dog knows that Simone Biles pulled out of the Olympics. And it was interesting when the headlines initially came out because they were like, oh, yeah, Simone Biles pulls out because of apparent mental health issue. Like it was all like um, the headlines were very suspicious Mm -hmm. of her. And then there was a huge backlash. Of course, Piers Morgan comes out with his usual nonsense. And it's like, wow, this is the most decorated gymnast of all time. All time. All time. And if you look at Simone Biles, and I'll set the context for people that don't really know that much about her. This is someone who's a survivor, who's overcome abuse by the doctor of yeah, Larry the USA yeah, gymnast team. This is someone who has competed with broken bones. This is someone who's competed while, what do they call that when you've got a kidney stone? I think it's called kidney stone. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And I'm just like, she's literally the greatest of all time. Who are you to come in and kind of question her pulling out of a competition and basically saying she's a quitter? And as an addendum to that, I think, you know, one of the things that I was reading recently and I thought was really pertinent, you mentioned that she is a survivor of the sexual abuse by Larry Nassar, who was the US gymnastics doctor. And so many of her peers have kind of retired from gymnastics in recent years. And there's this inference, I'm not sure if she said it explicitly or if she's just inferred it, that the reason that she hasn't retired is that she doesn't feel that US gymnastics are ever going to be held to account. And if all of the gymnastic, all of the gymnasts, excuse me, who were abused by Larry Nassar do just kind of retire and fade into obscurity, then US gymnastics will just be able to brush everything under the carpet. So as well as everything else that she's doing, you know, representing her country, the huge amount of physical strain that her her training exerts on her body, she's also got the the kind of emotional responsibility of holding adults to account for abuse that has taken place. And over decades over decades and I think that that is you know when when I read that I thought that's more than the average person would be able to to take if it was just one of those things but all of them is just but all of them I just feel like with Simone Biles none of us can sit next to her in terms of her grit in terms of her resilience in terms of her talent Mm. and the thing about Simone is that she's She's similar to Serena Williams in the sense that within the industry, 
they're always trying to bring her down, right? So they're always marking her down because they feel that her style of gymnastics, like some of the stunts that she does, they're like way too complicated. Other gymnasts can't complete. So she actually gets marked down Mm -hmm. because of that. And they also say she's not graceful. If you look at the headlines, beastly are the kind of words that they use. It's wild. Right? So... You don't want her to compete, but then if she steps back, she's also being attacked. So which one is it? Like pick a side. Mm-hmm. It's a catch-22. It's and a catch-22 for sure. And there's uh, an interview in which she acknowledges it. And, you know, She says, I think if any other athlete was was doing what I do, it would be given correct credit. Absolutely. Because it's me, you know, and I think that m- most people will be able to identify with that to a degree where it's like I know that I'm good at this I know that I'm working hard or I know that because I do this because I show up and I do the work and I am essentially what you are looking for whether it's that you know I come in and I am positive and I get on with other members of the team or I just you know I hit my targets or I I win the gold whatever the case Mm. you know in the spectrum of our listeners and their identification points there will always be people who say, well, I don't like how that reflects on me. So I would rather cut you down to size than use this as a growth opportunity for myself. And I think that that's the thing. Simone Biles intimidates people with her her grit and her work ethic and her talent. And instead of anybody seeing that as, you know, that elevating the sport as a whole, they're instead like, well, let's cut her back down to size. Let's let's drag her back to our level. And I think that's really interesting because in so many other different areas of sport, you don't really see that in the same way. And, you know, I'm sure that you would have heard this before about the the first time that the, is it the one minute mile? That was obviously a record that had never been broken before. But what happened was when that was broken, you suddenly saw a, a spate of people start to do that same with breaking too obviously that's been a huge project with nike in terms of um breaking the the sub two hour marathon time and what will probably happen is that you will start to see more and more athletes do that because in many other sports that's seen as a metric of greatness you are elevating it to a a higher level and now people have something different to work towards it's really i feel it's not only in Simone Biles' case, because I think, you know, as you mentioned, Serena Williams is someone who also is impacted by those same those same unfair double standards. But it is so interesting when you see people who are enemies of progress, basically, which is a phrase that you've used before on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that with a situation like this, you can't get away from the misogynoir. And for listeners that are not familiar with that term, it's basically a combination of misogyny, so sexism and racism. And that's what you've got going on here. And it was interesting because Djokovic, I don't know, because you said you were watching the Olympics this weekend, but he lost his bronze medal match, his tennis match. Mm -hmm. When he lost his match, he went crazy, throwing his tennis racket around, had a complete breakdown, didn't show up for the doubles match afterwards. Before that, and he's always thrown a tantrum and he's always acting like that. But then when he was asked about Simone Biles, who was kind of like, oh, to be an elite athlete is to be able to manage pressure. (laughs) 
but you can't take losing. You're throwing your tennis racket. You're not able to show up to your next match. And so I get it that everybody experiences this to a certain degree. But when you follow Simone Biles' story, when you see how she's treated within her own sport, and then when you see how visceral people were, so then when it comes to other people, they show some compassion. When England cricket star Ben Stokes announced on Friday that he'd be taking a break from cricket indefinitely to prioritise his mental health, I didn't see the vitriol. No. All the comments I... are like, oh, we support you, we support you. What I did see that was positive is that people on LinkedIn, sorry, Twitter, <laughs> people on Twitter were saying, oh, I wonder what Piers is going to say about this. I wonder what Piers, and it's white people on Twitter. I wonder what Piers is going to say about this. Oh, he's not a woman of colour, so Piers isn't going to say anything. So it's become really obvious now that you're going after specific people, usually women, mm-hmm. and usually, or even more so when they are women of colour. Well, also there's such a staggering lack, lack of self-awareness because, you know, you talk about Djokovic saying, um, well, to be an elite athlete is to be able to manage pressure. Yeah. And, you know, not having any awareness of his own kind of conduct in that capacity. But also, Piers Morgan, you know, had tweeted about Biles, you know, he was saying, oh, storming off, throwing a tantrum, like pulling out with a complete lack of awareness that everyone around the world saw him do that on Good Morning Britain when he was taken to task for, you know, constantly trying to eviscerate Meghan Markle so it's a lack of self-awareness for me that I'm just like women in particular I think always have to be so careful that to be almost beyond reproach I think that that is especially true for women of color but as a rule you know women are the ones who will well you said this but then earlier on you had said this and it's like you've got to have this kind of pristine track record to ever be able to say anything and be taken seriously about it. You know, Simone Biles can't say that she is opting out of the rest of the Olympics for her mental health because it's like, well, you know, previously you didn't. Da, 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 da. It's like women are not a monolith. People are not a monolith, but women, mm. athletes, whatever the case may be, the lack of consistency when we kind of take into account the spectrum of human emotion is incredible to me. It's all right for some, but it's not all right for others. Yeah, exactly. And it's just becoming way, way too obvious now. And I don't know if you saw that whole thing with um, Alex Scott. Do you know who Alex Scott is? Basically, she's an ex-England player. She was captain of the women's England team, over 100 caps for England, which basically means over 100 appearances for England. She's one of the commentators for the Olympics. And um, Lord Jones, some Lord, I'd, I'd never heard of him before. <laughs> like Alex Jones, duh, 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 duh. sorry, what's her name? Alex Scott. You're like Alex Scott, this, 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 this. Lord Jones, a Lord. <laughs> a Lord. <laughs> Goes on Twitter and is like basically trashing her accent and yes. says that she doesn't pronounce her G's. Yes, I saw that. And it's that. like, this is not acceptable. So the reason why I'm laughing is because if you see any of her segments, especially when she's commentating on football, all of them have this type of accent. Like none of them speak in RP. Yeah, I was going to say, like, RP is dead now, surely. Well, it's definitely dead 
in sports commentary, I don't really hear the RP pronunciation mm-hmm. at all, right? And so I was just like, what is going on? And he said, she shouldn't use the class card because she came out and she said, I'm proud of where I'm from, mm-hmm. from working class family from London. I'm proud of where I'm from. And he's like, don't use the class card. Like you're not a role model if you can't pronounce your G's. See, I think sometimes the issue with things like that, and I'd love to say, oh, well, the future is now, old man, but I don't believe the future is now. I think that there are st- still Have you seen pounds. any football commentary? Do you hear them pronouncing their Gs? I mean, if you're asking me if I've seen any football commentary, like straight <laughs> off the bat, the answer is no. I'd rather choose band. <laughs> but I also think that for people like Lord Jones, once upon a time, RP was the only qualification that you needed. Yeah. That was enough of a qualification to walk into a job at the BBC or, you know, whether it was radio or television or whatever the case may be, you didn't need to have kind of presented any kind of work ethic. Boris Johnson for me is always the prime example of this. You know, the man is erudite and he has an impressive vocabulary, but when we apply those same kind of metrics, whether you like or hate Russell Brand, he is blisteringly intelligent and he has a fantastic vocabulary, but because it's not in RP or it's not this bumbling Etonian like Boris Johnson, that's taken less seriously. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, if we're we're talking about class and race and things like that, Russell Brand is is a celebrity who is not hurting for money and he's also a straight white man who has managed to monetize his his drug addiction, his sex addiction. And so it's not as though I'm sitting here saying my heart bleeds for this man, but I am saying it is interesting that there is a certain faction, particularly of the UK, who do think your ability to pronounce your THs and your Gs are all of the qualifications that you would ever possibly need. Your ability Mm. to use circumspect in a sentence is fantastic. You've just earned yourself a distinction. The thing is, I prefer to hear the G (laughs) at the end of a word. (laughs) I have a strong preference of hearing the G at the end of verbs. But, so I was like, okay, you know what, Jules, look at this in a bit of detail, right? And I and I, and I I wasn't really that familiar with Alex Scott before, like I know who mm-hmm. she is. But then when I was watching her segment, I was like, she killing it. Yeah. She's actually very, very good at her job. And, um, you know, I feel like she's perfectly aligned with what she's doing. Why is she held to a different standard to other people that are doing the same job? And what they're trying to say online now is that her having this job as a mixed race woman is a box ticking exercise. So they're completely discrediting the fact that she's talented, discrediting the fact that she's played the sport, she's represented her country. But you have so many examples of when someone gets an opportunity, people always trying to reduce it down to that person's gender or reduce it down to that person's race and discredit them. Discredit the hard work that's gone into yeah. you actually being a worthy applicant and a worthy worthy recipient of that role. Yeah. Um, and it does happen to women very often. And so, you know, how do you handle those things? Mm-hmm. It's tough because the answer is that there is no way to handle it. And the answer is probably a lot of the time, you know, it's not as though people expect, no one expects to get everything that they've ever asked for. 
most people are appreciative of the fact that there's a certain amount of work that they are expected to do before they can benefit from X, Y, Z. I think, again, we all know I'm a big fan of Meghan Markle, but to shoehorn something that she said in here, what you expect is for things to be fair. And when you can objectively see that this isn't fair, and when you say, by the way, this isn't fair, I'm being held to a different standard. I am being asked to jump through hoops that nobody else is being asked to jump through. And I can see you rewarding people for doing less than I am doing. The people who are then holding you to that different standard invariably try to gaslight you. And they try to say, you're doing, you're, you're trying to make it about this. You're trying to make it about that. Why don't you be honest with yourself? I'm mm. being honest with myself. Mm. I know that I am X, Y, Z. Biles herself said, you know, I know that I am good. Venus Williams said, you know, when I'm receiving the criticism, I know that the people who are asking me these questions, like, how do you feel about your performance today? Do you think you should have performed better? I know that they couldn't come out on the court and meet me. Mm. And it's really hard. I don't want to be like flippant about it. And sometimes I think it would be great, you know, because in these situations, the, the athletes in question aren't ever allowed to be like, by the way, I felt sick to my stomach when I was seeing all of the awful things that you guys have been saying to me. Or I felt sick to my stomach when I realized that you actually don't care about about my mental health at all you see me as a commodity and you expect me to keep doing this work for you but you never change the payout system but obviously there's a level of diplomacy that has to go with it and you know I thought the the tweet that Biles put out where she said this past week and the outpouring of support that I've received has made me realize that I'm more than my qualifications or my 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 accomplishments and I'd never really believed that before and I thought that was lovely and obviously I understand why the impetus would be let's focus on the positive but like I said I think that most people will encounter a a variation of this or a lot of of women and women of color in particular will encounter a, a variance of this at some point in their lives and sometimes it can be helpful to say by the way it, it is nauseating to be made to feel this way it's incredibly tough um and then obviously you know you had people come out in support of simone and just say you know how can people question you and also i think that what people don't realize is that let's say someone's experiencing a mental health issue well, let's say you've got something in the in the public that happens like this situation with Simone Biles and then like you mock her and you say that she's a quitter and bash her. And you've got people around you who might be experiencing mental health issues. This doesn't create a psychologically safe environment for them to speak to you. And when something happens to people that we love and then we say, oh, my gosh, why didn't they speak up? Why didn't they come to me? This is why. Mm-hmm. This is why people can't speak up and they can't get help because there's so much stigma and so much shame still attached with mental health. And also, we don't want to put the foundations in place for people to just have secure, you know, mental health is a human right, basically. And what we're talking about here is mental illness where you have not been given the grace to have the the safe environment 
to just be able to talk about your 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 mental health in an organic enough way that it is just yeah absolutely we understand why you might be having a an off day today or why you might need a break or why you might need some self-care the narrative around self-care always tends to be like treat yourself or treat yourself adjacent a lot of the time that's not what self-care looks like and sometimes self-care can be quite gritty and it involves you having to you know delve into the weeds a little yeah people think oh self-care is a massage yeah and that's the part of self-care but self-care is setting boundaries self-care is saying no self-care is making other people uncomfortable because you need to prioritize yourself absolutely um and obviously, if, you, if I look at it in the context of Simone Biles, I feel it's even more extreme because when you're doing all those stunts as a gymnast, one false move and you break your neck. So it's very serious. 100%. And, you know, it's almost as though if she injured herself, that would be appropriate. Like that's, yeah. that's when we would be prepared to take it seriously. Because there was another another US gymnast who did like go through with the tournament and then did injure herself and I am sorry that I don't remember her name and she was 18 years old and then she like landed badly and she injured herself and everybody was like oh wow she's a hero because she basically pushed through when she wasn't fully healed and she didn't push through because she wanted to. If if we're thinking of the same person and I can't think yeah. of her name either she she pushed through because she was told that she had to you have to yeah and I think you know you talk about setting boundaries and again just trying to give this the the context that it deserves for our listeners who obviously like unless Simone Biles is listening to this in which case hi um I love you Simone <laughs> hi Simone we love you so much um <laughs> you won't necessarily be competing in Olympics but you will experience this where people are more inclined to keep you in your place than they are to elevate you and to to rise with you and I think that that can be really hard to stomach and I think that the good thing if there is a good thing or if there is a silver lining about this is that in the context of Simone Biles because this happened on such a public scale she did also get to experience the outpouring of love and support that she really deserved and deserves ongoing and that she maybe wasn't aware of, you know, that, that people do think, well, I rate her as an athlete and I think she's phenomenal, but I also want her to be okay as a person. Absolutely. Um, and what can be difficult then if you are just your, you know, average person is that those things don't get to happen on a public enough scale that you get reminded that the people vilifying you are wrong. And that you're just left to be like, okay, well, you know, maybe I am being overly sensitive or maybe my mental health isn't that bad. Like the gaslighting that always goes hand in hand with these environments and these experiences is unprecedented. And I sometimes think that the ga- the word gaslighting gets overused. It's, it's so entrenched in, you know, popular culture now that people use it quite flippantly. But it is something that, a lot of people will experience over the course of their working life and their personal life, whether it is a a partner or a a friend who gaslights you or whether it is in a career-driven environment. There is something powerful about knowing your own mental health well enough to be like, I know that this isn't fair and I know that what is wanted here is for me to just accept it and 
dim my own shine or neutralize myself so that these other people can feel more comfortable. And I'm glad for Simone Biles and I hope for Simone Biles that she now knows that that doesn't have to be the case. She doesn't need to dim her shine for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, these are the things that hopefully will lead to a change in people's attitudes. Like when Naomi Osaka dropped out the French Open and people wanted to have a heart attack about it, but not have a heart attack when Roger Federer pulled out just because he wanted to have a a bit of a rest before Wimbledon. Mm -hmm. But I do think that people setting those boundaries so publicly lead to the shift in attitudes that we need. Because if those athletes had the opportunity to prioritise their mental health, they would probably be ready for the Olympics in a more holistic way. All the pressure that you have leading up to it, you know, is what can cause people to freeze or not be able to perform at the level that they want to. And so for me, my whole lesson from this is like, you have to take care of yourself in order to be your best in life, mm-hmm. not just an Olympian, just a person. They always say it's really important to take care of you first, put your oxygen mask on first so that you can do it for other people. I completely agree. And I think that there's a level of discomfort that sometimes goes with that because we are taught that, you know, either consciously or subconsciously, that selflessness is the aspirational quality. <laughs> and as I get older I think well god I hope that and you know when you go through struggles I always have this thing and I say it to my husband when you're going through a hard time when things aren't kind of working out how how you would hope they would and I say this will be an anecdote this will be an anecdote for us at some point like this you either throw in the towel at this point or you accept that you've just got to work better and harder but there is, there needs to be a kind of a midway point as well where you tell yourself, okay, well, this isn't the be all and end all. I might be experiencing a difficult situation right now. I might be experiencing an unfair situation right now. This mm. isn't forever. But also being able to, within that, say, however, because I am experiencing a difficult time right now or because I'm not being treated fairly, I'm actually, I'm upset or it's affecting my mental health. And it's like a chicken and the egg scenario. Do I try and fix the situation where I'm not being treated fairly, where I'm not being given my due credit, my correct credit, as Simone Biles says, and then hope that my mental health is positively impacted as a result? Or do I work on the mental health component and then say, because my mental health is in a more secure place, I am now able to remove myself from the situation where I am not receiving correct credit. And Mm. the ripple effect goes on. Yeah, I think it's a journey that we're all on in terms of how do you manage these types of things when you're faced with them to whatever degree. (laughs) Sorry, I am smiling because you did mention this earlier and I wanted to refer to this, but when you mentioned Venus talking about how she handles some of this stuff, Mm -hmm. have you seen the trailer to the movie about their dad or about them and their dad? Yes, King Richard, right? With um, Richard Williams. Can not wait for this movie same I'm I also like I really rate Will Smith like there are celebrities where you're just like listen I don't actually follow your career that actively I don't know everything that you've done or everything that you're doing 
but I have like a level of affection and respect for you. And Will Smith is one of those people for me. And I just like to see him doing a role, which is like, I don't know, potential Oscar bait, because I feel like he's a good actor who often ends up doing, did you watch Bright when it was on Netflix? This is like such a 180 from what we were just talking about. Well, it was chronic. It was absolutely like the worst thing I've ever seen. I obviously watched it. It was like Christmas a few years ago. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I've got nothing else to do. But he is a good actor who just has like a terrible picker or something like that. Mm -hmm. I feel he doesn't do good roles. And I think with this, it's, and I noticed that it doesn't necessarily have the explicit sign off of the Williams family, but Serena did tweet about it and said, this looks really interesting. So I don't know, maybe I have that wrong, but I don't think they worked on it as like executive producers or anything like that. I don't think the sisters did, but the dad was involved. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. I, I thought that, you know, the, the kind of sign off was being implied by Serena posting about it and saying, oh, this looks really good. Oh, this looks really interesting. Yeah, I think the dad is involved in the movie. Interesting. Um, but I'm not sure the daughters are involved in the movie. But I think for me, a lot of the time you focus on like the athletes and the talent, mm -hmm. but it takes the village. Yes. And their dad, Richard Williams, I don't think people understand what it takes to get your children to the level that he got them. And even Naomi Osaka's dad said that he was inspired to get his girls into tennis because of Venus and Serena Williams's father. And so I was just so touched, even by the trailer, I was so touched by it. And I think about the level of confidence that you have to instill in your children. It's very important wherever you're from, I think, to instill confidence in your children. Mm -hmm. Parents are like, I've got you in this school. I've done this for you. I've done that for you. <laughs> like, if you're lucky, right? Mm -hmm. You have all of those, the things that you need. But instilling confidence, and we saw a bit of it in that video, and maybe um, that famous video that goes everywhere all the time around Venus when the reporter's trying to say to her, like, but why do you believe in yourself? And her dad was like, she said what she said. Leave her alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. so uncompromising in instilling confidence and work ethic in his children. Mm -hmm. And he knew as well the power of... I positive loved it. mental at attitude. Positive mental attitude, yeah. Like when you go into an environment, everyone's looking at you, no one looks like you. And he's like, yeah, don't worry. They've not seen people as good looking as us. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is... Revolutionary. This is revolutionary stuff. Really? No, but it really is because it means that then when you are presented with... One thing that my mum always says... <laughs> Like it, it cracks me up a bit. Oh my god! I just noticed you don't have braces anymore. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been? Not very long, like a couple of oh weeks. Oh my god! Your I teeth know. are looking. Ah. Yes. I was like, why is she looking different? Thank you so Whoa. much. <laughs> oh my god! All right, back on topic. We could talk about that. Right, yeah, that, another, that's for another time. And also, I don't know, so obviously when we when this recording goes out, I know, guys, that you won't be able to see the video that goes with it. My eyes are flicking all over the place at the moment because I'm in my dad's office, which is like 
the land that time forgot and there are so many spiders in here that I'm so like I'm on high alert like I cannot relax but sorry what I was going to say is um one thing that my mom always says and it cracks me up more and more as I get older it's like oh you got to kill them with kindness you just got to hold your head up high and kill them with kindness and I'm always like she even said it to me this morning we were talking about something I turned to my dad and I was like excuse my language I was like I am fucking sick of killing people with kindness it is wasted (laughs) on them you know and sometimes I think you need to have an environment around yourself where it's like it's not about killing them with kindness or holding your head up or whatever the case may be it's just that these people are not worthy of you which is what it seems like Richard Williams was always really good at doing right that he was like not not that you are inherently or fundamentally better than anybody else but it's that you know these people are not on your level because they're not prepared to put in the work that you put in. These people are not on your level because they're not prepared to to be as ambitious as you are. And sometimes you need a support system around you that says, you know what, don't worry about this. Like people are trying to put barriers in your way. It's because they have a scarcity mindset and they're scared of your growth mindset. And I thought yeah. that that was really powerful. I th- I still think that's really powerful. And obviously, I don't know, for people listening, they might be a bit like, well, there's still a, a space for killing people with kindness. I don't know how I it feel depends. about it. It depends. It's how you manage it. Mm. I feel that it's really important to be kind and be gracious and carry yourself well. But killing people with kindness is not a strategy. Right? Totally. And because also, they don't care. They like don't, when people are... They don't care. Yeah, if people are committed to misunderstanding you, to discrediting you... There is no amount of kindness that is going to make them think or act differently. 100% because what I... Th- and I, I do feel... Sorry, you got me on a roll now that you said it because I've never even thought about it before. But I do feel it's a very like subservient way, passive aggressive way to totally. deal with things. And the thing is like, you're right. There is always a space for, for being kind to people. And I'm very much so an advocate for that. I think being kind, you know creating a positive environment building rapport with people 100 percent. but when we talk about killing people with kindness i think that sometimes the audience that you were trying to kill with kindness allow themselves to interpret your kindness as permission to continue there's not enough introspection or self-reflection on, yeah. going on there to be like god you know what jules is being really gracious about this maybe my behavior is wrong no you are allowing them to continue because you are not changing the parameters of or or setting your boundaries coherently enough that they are like, oh, I can't treat this person in this way. So I don't know. I would be I, I would be interested to hear what our listeners think and where they fall on the spectrum of do you believe in killing people with kindness? Yes or no? Um, or is yeah. it situational? And if it is situational, what do those situations look like? I think that there's an intersecting point with power dynamics. Listen, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) That's a whole other podcast. But I do think that that point is important around sometimes when you think, oh, let me kill them with kindness. It just allows the situation to continue. It's okay for you to stand up for yourself. It's okay for you to advocate for yourself. And it's okay for you to say no. Absolutely. Not today. It's all right. That's what I learned this week. It's absolutely fine. But thank you so much for listening, everyone. Share the podcast with a friend. Share a podcast with a friend who needs to maybe hear some of that this week. Because I can imagine that everyone knows someone who is going through something which, like, has some overlap with 
Simone Biles, even if it seems like a little bit of a different situation on the surface. You can find us on social media at Jules Phoebe. And thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.